Amen. If you turn your Bibles, please, to the book of uh, the book of Luke, the book of Luke, uh, chapter four. We're beginning with verse number one this morning. I just really thought about it. I just couldn't believe um, when I thought about it uh, how many uh, places that I go and how many things that I do where, just frankly, I just don't want to be there. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you wake up in the morning, you got to go to work. Man, I don't want to go. And then you get to work, you're like, man, I don't want to be here. And then maybe you have to go to, uh, to the doctor. It's like, well, I don't want to go. And then you get to the doctor, you're sitting there in that waiting room, and you're like, well, I don't want to be here. You know, if it was really just left to us and what we wanted to do, we probably wouldn't get anything done, would we? Because we don't want to go, we don't want to get up, we don't want to move, we don't want to be around people. You know, we always are faced with places that we don't want to go. We don't want to go see the in-laws, don't want to go see the family. But it seems like that we always have to do. And what that really uh, reminds us of is that even though that there are places that we don't want to go, like work or school or perhaps uh, even church, those things are realities, aren't, aren't they? They are necessities that we have to go, and it's just a part of life. And it's just a part of, a part of what we have to do as people. But also in those places that a lot of times that we don't feel like going, we have to realize those things, even if we don't want to admit it, even though they don't seem pleasant, even though they don't really seem to be enjoyable, those things are beneficial to us. I know that I really don't like going to the dentist because the dentist makes me hurt. And I wonder how they got to be doctors because you walk up in there and they got drills and saws and things like that. And you're like, you don't know, is this a doctor's office or is this Home Depot? And, and you don't want to go, but it's beneficial that you go. Even though it's maybe something that will bring you pain, even though it's something that's unpleasant, even though it's things that are uncomfortable, those things are to your benefit. Today we're talking about a place that we all don't want to go, a place that we never really want to be a part of, and that is encountering Satan. We all know that we have an enemy of our soul. Someone who uh, likes to nothing more for us to be kept away from church and to kept away from God and to get to go with Him to the place of torment and hell and just spend their eternity with eternity with Him and just be miserable like He is. And we know that even as believers, the devil don't quit on us, does he? You can say a lot of things about the devil. You can say he's a liar. You can say that he's evil. You can say that he's de deceitful. But the one thing the devil ain't, he ain't no quitter, is he? And even though as we as believers, he will work on us even harder to some way to steal our joy and to some way steal our influence. And so we don't want to have to go and face the devil. We don't want to have to deal with him on a daily basis. But you know what? Facing the devil is reality, isn't it? It's something that you encounter every day. You probably encountered his temptation this morning, deciding on whether or not to come to church. You're probably encountering with him now as he's trying to distract from you, away from hearing God's word, and away from it absorbing into your soul that even as the Lord's speaking to you and he's calling you to do from you, you're encountering with the devil and saying, don't worry about it. Just drift off the land. Get back on your Facebook. It'll be all right. It's a reality of life. But what we also learn is that even though that going through the times of temptation of the devil are difficult times, are hard times, 
our unpleasant times, it can sometimes be our benefit because it makes us stronger. It teaches us to trust God. And the more we resist the devil, the stronger we get in our faith. The more we learn to stop listening to the devil and start listening to God, we learn more of his grace and we learn to trust him more. Jesus had an encounter with the devil. And in his encounter with the devil, he teaches us how not only that we can survive this time of the devil, this unpleasant time, but how we can use it to make us stronger in the Lord. So if you open up your Bible, please, to the book of Luke, chapter 4, we'll begin with verse number 1. It says, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan as he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and and, um, and as they were ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in the moment of time. And he said to him, To you I will give all the authority and all the glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I gave it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will be all yours. And Jesus answered him, is it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of a temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written concerning you to guard you and, um, to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until the appointed time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much, Lord, for the day that you've given us. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, and how it reveals you to us. And Lord, I pray, Lord, as we spend a few moments in your word, Lord, we think about the times that we face the adversary, the devil. Lord, that we understand that as a reality, but we understand, Lord, that if we hold true to our faith, if we stay steadfast to the hope that is in you through Christ Jesus, we can overcome him and become stronger in you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. It was definitely not a place that the Lord wanted to go, but what we read in the Scripture is just after his time of baptism. We remember that scene for that we saw last week. You know, the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. We heard the voice of God, you know, calling out and saying that this is my son and whom I am well pleased. What a great high moment. What a great high time. But isn't it interesting in the midst of those high times, just right after those high times, we face a time of struggle, isn't it? It's the same way with us. And we see that it was the same way with Jesus. But we see in the midst that even Jesus had faced it at that high time, that he had a mission. The Lord had a mission for Jesus. And so he sent him out being led by the Holy Spirit 
out to the wilderness, and Matthew tells us clearly why he went there. He was sent out by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Isn't that something? Isn't that something interesting for us to see that the Holy Spirit led Jesus to a place that he didn't want to go to to take part in the activity that I'm sure that he wouldn't want to take part of. But isn't it something that it was the Spirit of God who led them there? And a lot of people don't think that about the Spirit of God. A lot of people that don't think that about what Jesus, how the Spirit will lead us and how Jesus will lead us and what God will have us to do in our life, that He will actually take us to places that we don't want to go, that aren't safe for us to go, to take part in things that'll be hard for us, that'll be tempting for us, that'll be struggles for us. And we say, well, God wouldn't want to do that. And so we have this tendency that we avoid difficult places. We avoid hard times because nobody wants to go places they don't want to go. Nobody wants to go to the deserts. Nobody wants to go to places of desolation. Nobody wants to face hard times and struggles. So naturally, we avoid them. And we think in our heart that that's what the Lord wants for me. The Lord just wants me to have a peaceful life. And He wants me to avoid those hardships. And so we stay away from those. And we say something bad is going to happen, so I'm going to stay away from that. You think about what Paul teaches us in those closing chapters of, uh, of the book of Acts, whereas he's completing that last missionary journey, and he sets his heart as the Lord has called him to go back to Jerusalem. And all the people around him say, if you go to Jerusalem, it's going to be bad for you. And even as he would have dreams at night, as the Holy Spirit would lay upon his heart, you go to Jerusalem and things are going to be bad for you there. There were prophets and prophetesses who would come up to him and would go uh, and would do demonstrations to let him know that the Lord had spoken to them to say that if you go to Jerusalem, something's bad is going to happen. And so the people implored him. The people compelled him. The people begged him not to go to Jerusalem. But Paul taught us a great lesson that just because there's going to be danger, that just because there's going to be hardship, doesn't mean that that's not where the Lord wants you to go. And if we have our heart in our hearts and our minds that a life in Christ is just going to be through uh, roses and, and all those great things, that the Lord won't ask of anything hard of us, that He won't put anything difficult in our hearts and our lives, then we will be quickly disillusioned. We will be quickly disappointed because the Lord takes us where He wants to take us, and sometimes He'll take us to a difficult place. And that's what he did with Jesus. He said, Jesus, I have a difficult mission for you. I have somewhere you want to go, well, somewhere for you to go. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be filled with temptations. It's going to be filled with suffering. It's going to be filled with hunger. But he went because he knew, he knew that's where the Lord wanted him to go. So he goes out into the desert he goes out knowing it's going to be a hard time. And so he spent there in that time 40 days and 40 nights wrestling with the devil. 
The scripture only gives three of these major temptations that he faced for the devil. And Luke gives a different order than what Matthew gives to let us know that this is not an exhaustive list of the temptations that Jesus faced, but he faced a constant barrage for 40 days of temptation by the devil. But notice he did not go into this situation unprepared because what does it say? It says at, the, at that first verse, he said, and Jesus went out full of the Spirit and led by the Spirit. And we read in the, in the uh, account of the story of Matthew chapter 4 that as he went out, he spent that time fasting and praying. He knew that he was going to face a hardship. He knew he was going to face a difficulty. He knew he was going to face a challenge. And so he spent the time in between when he knew that he was going until it actually come preparing himself for it. And he got himself full of the Spirit. Well, how can you be full of the Spirit? Do I need to get up and jump up on my pews and start shaking around and banging on the tambourine, speaking in a strange language? Does that get me full of the Spirit? Do I need to come up front and let the preacher knock me down on the floor? Well, I say we come and try and see how it works out for you. No, but to be full of the Spirit is to do what Matthew tells us Jesus did in spending this time, is that he spent this time in fasting and praying. Fasting and praying. That's a simple process that Jesus calls us out to do because what fasting and praying really means is the emptying or the denying or the starving of the body and the filling of the Spirit. You see, through the act of fasting, through the act of self-denial. Now, Jesus, he didn't, eat or, or he didn't eat or drink anything for 40 days, and that's pretty extreme for us. And we don't necessarily have to go to those lengths to deny our body or to starve our flesh. If we wanted to starve our flesh, we could put those phones down a little bit. If we wanted to starve our flesh and the influences that come through us, then we can uh, turn that TV off for a little while. If we wanted to starve our flesh, we can think about all those appetites of the things that we just think we just have to have and we can't live without them, that we go without those things just to show our bodies and just to show ourselves and just to show our spirits that we don't need those things, that we take a moment and we close out all those bad influences that are around us, all those distractions, and take that time to feel our spirit. How do we feel our spirit? We feel our spirit by times of prayer. We feel our spirit by, time, by taking times in God's word that we sit down and we read it and we ask questions and we sit there in that scripture till we find that answer. And if we can't find that answer, we call somebody that we know who knows the scripture and we get that answer. We call a preacher and he'll tell you you don't know that answer, but he'll look it up and get back to you. But you spend that time, spend that time feeding the Spirit. That's what we do when we come here to church, is we're able to feel the Spirit. You're able to come here and take some time out of all those other things that you've got going on in your life, and you feel the Spirit. You, feel, you get filled with the Spirit. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. And that's how we are able to survive 
these situations that come in our lives is that we take those times to starve the flesh and feed the spirit. And so as Jesus came into this first temptation, you see that his flesh was on E. His flesh was hungry. His flesh was starving. His body was probably a little weak, but his spirit was full. His spirit was strong. His connection with God was solid, and he was ready for the devil. If we wait till our obstacles come to try to get close to the spirit, it's gonna be too late. If we wait until the devil comes after us to feed our spirit and get strong in that, it's really gonna be too late because he's gonna hit us with a train and he's gonna be gone before we even know what happened. But we have to take time in our hearts and our lives that we starve the, spirit, the flesh, but yet we feed our, spirit, feed our spirits so we'll be strong for these times of opposition by the devil. Are you getting ready? Are you ready for what's coming on outside these doors? Are you ready for what the devil has in store for you tomorrow? Are you ready to face that conflict that you've been dealing with for all this time? It comes. It comes by us feeding our spirit. And so Jesus comes to this first temptation that he faces. And notice when the Satan comes, it says, after the 40 days, Jesus being hungry. No joke. I imagine us are probably at the point of starvation right now. We're ready to go. We're ready to eat. We haven't been here all that long. But he was at this point, and it's at this point, the devil came at Jesus. He came at his witness, and he came specifically, and he did a surgical strike. He hit him straight to where he was at. He knew where his weakness was, and he knew where to attack. The devil knows you. He knows your weakness. He knows the right time. He knows the right place. And he knows the right temptation to hit you with. Isn't that something about temptation? Temptation is very general. You know, we all face temptation. What does, uh, what does uh, uh, 2 Corinthians tells us? I mean, what does the book of uh, Corinthians tells us? Is that, you know, no temptation that has come to you that is not common to man. We all face the same, temp- the same types of temptations. But even as temptations are general, Satan is very specific with what he strikes you with. He knows when you're hurting. He knows when you're weak. And he knows what will get you to move. And he hits you with that. And that's what he did with Jesus. He hit straight to him and said, Jesus, I know you're hungry. But you know what? Since you're the son of God, why don't you take these stones and make them into bread? I bet you... I bet you, uh, you know, if you could uh, turn that hymn book, you're right there in front of you, into a, uh, into a Big Mac, you'd probably do it right now. If you had that power to do it right now, you'd probably do it. You'd, you'd turn that bullet into a large Coke. And he said to him, and he quoted, he quoted him in the Scripture. 
He said, if you're the Son of God, this is what you will do. This is how you act if you truly are who you say you are. And then Jesus, and Jesus came back because he was full of the Spirit. Because he was communicated with God, he was able to answer him with the Word of God. And he answers him for the book of Deuteronomy. He said that no man, no man lives by bread alone. You see, Satan may have knew some Scripture. He may have been able to quote some Scripture, but he didn't understand Scripture. And if you're going to re resist the devil, you're not just going to need to know some Scripture, but you're going to need to understand God's Word. That's why you need to spend a lot of time in it. That's why you need to ask, ask questions. Because Satan wanted Jesus to think that God was just here and that he had these powers just to make his life better. And that's the way that we read Scripture a lot of times, that we read it with just the ascension or just the assertion that these verses are just there to make my life better. It's just to show me how I can have a greater family. It's just there to show me how I can do, do better at my job. It's just there to show me how I can have greater success and how the Lord wants to bless me and how the Lord wants to give me things. And we think that the whole world and the whole sum of Scripture just revolves around me and just revolves around you. But it doesn't, does it? The Word of God doesn't revolve around us. The Word of God revolves around God. And so when we read our Scripture, we want to know God more. And what He understood and what Jesus understood is that there's more to life than bread. Our substance, even though it's important, isn't the most important thing in life. But it's really on every word that comes from God. That's what we, we live on. And so he was able to resist that temptation. And so he goes on, and devil, he's not undone. Like we said, devil ain't no quitter, is he? And so he goes on to the next thing, and he took him up on the precipice of a mountain there at the top. And he said, and he allowed them to see all the kingdoms of all the world in a moment. And he didn't just see all the kingdoms of that current era, but he saw them all in the moments. He saw all the kingdoms that ever would be. And he said, you know what? I have dominion over these because God has given me dominion because I am prince of the world. And he said, if you'll just bow down to me, I'll give you all this. What a shortcut. What a deal. But you know what? If we don't understand Scripture, then the devil will seem a lot bigger than he really is. He'll seem a lot powerful than he really is. And the devil presented himself as someone who was ruler over the world, but the Lord knew that he would only rule there for a time. He showed as, a, as someone who had great power, and, and Jesus understood that, uh, that the devil only had what power that the Lord granted to him to have and that he would give it and he would take it as his will, just as every emperor, just as every king who lived upon this earth. They only have what power 
that was granted to them by God, and they will only have it as long as God says for them to have it. And that's why he had it and understood. What the scripture says is that it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. It's not about power. It's not about worldly gain. Just as bread is not the most important thing in life, money and power and fame and the things that we gather here aren't the most important thing. But the most important thing is understanding that we are to worship God only and Him only shall we serve. Where will that get me in life? Will it get me into the White House? Maybe. Probably not. Will that get me to be a king? Maybe. Maybe not. Will that get me to be the best preacher that there ever was? Maybe. Probably not. Will that get me the highest rank in my class? Will it get me the accolades? Will it get me fame? Will it get me fortune? Will it get me great things of this world? Maybe. Maybe not. But none of that matters. We worship the Lord God only, and Him only will we serve. And where that gets us in life doesn't really matter because just like uh, Satan, one day his reign will end and he'll be off in the hot fire. And one day all the things that we gain upon this earth will go, will be gone. And we'll be sitting before the Lord being judged on one question and one question only. Did you serve the Lord God only? Did you worship the Lord God only? And that'll be the only thing at the end of the day that'll matter. Then we go on again. Satan ain't no quitter, is he? He takes them there to the highest point of the temple. And he says, man, why don't you, uh, if you're the son of God, why don't, uh, why don't you do this? Why don't you jump off of here? And uh, let them rescue you because there's these verses in Scripture that say, and they told her what the, uh, the, the verses said there in Psalms of where, you know, that angels wouldn't allow, you know, his, his foot to, to touch. And that was the Scripture. But I want us to notice what Jesus said to him is this. And, uh, and Jesus said to him, this is verse 12, Jesus said to him, uh, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You shall not put the Lord God to your test. What does that mean? Well, it means this. I don't know if y'all have ever done one of these, uh, one of these rope courses where you go and uh, you climb up uh, this ladder up this tree and they had this real thin wire running there across and, um, and you are to walk across this wire from the nice steady platform on this tree that you are on over to that one over there. And you're like, I'm not going to do that. And the reason why I'm not going to do that is I know good and well that someone who just can't even sit, stand still for a minute, who can't even sit in front without starting rocking like this, there ain't no way I can walk across that wire without, uh, without falling. But they say, well, no problem. And so they'll give you one of these, uh, one of these harnesses, and uh, they'll wrap that harness around you, 
and they'll hook that harness up to the tree, and then they'll hook another end up to this rope that'll go across with you, and then they'll put some kind of net there down below you, and now I can walk across that rope, that wire, and I ain't got to worry about falling. Because if I fall, you know, that, uh, that, net, you know, that rope will catch me. And if that one rope there behind me that's uh, hooked up on that line, if that breaks, I ain't got to worry about it because I'm hooked up to that tree. And if that one breaks, I ain't got to worry about that. And so, uh, so uh, I ain't got to worry about that because that net will catch me. And so I am secure. I don't have to worry about falling and plummeting to my death. And those things are there to make sure that I don't fall and I don't plummet to my death. So what do I do? I don't start walking across that, uh, that, that rope there. I start doing stupid things. Start doing a little of this. Start doing a little of that. I say, well, I'll jump up and down. Maybe I'll jump to the side to see if it'll catch me or not. Since I don't have to worry about falling or dying, I start doing stupid things. I start doing reckless things. And I start using those safety measures. I start using that harness and that net for one out what they're tempted to. I might just jump off of there to see how fun it is to land in that net. Stupid things. We have the grace of Jesus Christ who has forgiven us for our sins. The sins that we made in the past and the sins that we may, will make in the future and the sins that we don't know about. And God has given us that grace, not only that we receive heaven, but also that we have the courage and the strength and lose the fear from doing great things. But instead of using that to do the things to which God called us to do, we abuse God's grace and start doing stupid things. We'll go out and we'll do things that we know that the Lord doesn't want us to do, but we'll do them anyway. Why? Well, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. And so I think that I can just go live my life the way that I want to because the Lord will forgive me. I have really no remorse or no anguish for my sin whatsoever. Why? Because the Lord will forgive me. We do stupid things because we think that we're covered by grace. That is what it means to test the Lord. He said, the Lord has this verse in Scripture, Jesus, that no hair is going to be hurt, hurt you know, that your uh, feet aren't going to cast upon the rocks, that angels will bear you up. So why don't we do something stupid? Why don't we do a trick just to see how great God's grace is? And Jesus said, the Scripture also says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. It's important that we understand Scripture, that we not just know it. And sometimes we think those books, some of those books in the Bible, ain't worth knowing. But all the three of these incidents, in his defense against Satan, Jesus quoted one book of the Bible. Do you know what that book was? Deuteronomy. That's right, Deuteronomy. Satan 
is no match for the book of Deuteronomy. So if Satan's coming after you and your life, you put some Deuteronomy on him, and he got to flee. Let's remember that. I don't need to just know the Scripture, but we need to understand it. Understand that it's our great defense against Satan. But only if we understand that the Scripture teaches us and is centered around God, that it's not centered around bringing us a happier, healthier life, and it's not just centered around us and putting us as the center of the universe, but it's to make us wise into how we are to know and how we are to serve God. And that is how we overcome Satan, that we become led by the Spirit and that we are full of the Spirit and that we understand God's Word in our life and that we also understand our enemy. It's interesting how, uh, how Luke closes this, and it's very appropriate there in verse three, 13. It says, And when had ended every temptation, he departed from him until the opportune time. You know, a lot of times we'll go and we'll face the devil and we'll face that temptation. And through God's grace, we have the wisdom to overcome it. And glory be to God. And we're all excited and we're all happy. But you know what? The devil ain't no quitter, is he? And he will come back. He'll come back at the opportune time. He's like those uh, the shows we used to watch, like on Batman, like a Batman, and any other shows or the cartoons that we used to watch that had episodes. In every episode, you'd have the same hero, and you'd have the same group of villains. And it would come through the climax of the show where it looked like the, the villain was going to win. But then the hero would come back and find a way to overcome the villain and the villain would be sent away, but you could hear him screaming as he runs off in the distance, I'll get you next time, Batman, if it's the last thing I do. It's a sobering thing to know that even as we've defeated Satan by accepting Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, even though that... Uh, that uh, we have overcome him through a temptation that we face this week. Satan sits here this morning. As you get ready to go out this week, saying to you, I'll get you next time. But if we stay strong, being led by the Spirit and being full of the Spirit and understanding God's Word, then we will resist the devil and he will flee for us. And one day, he'll be completely defeated, and we will receive the victory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the stay that you've given us. Lord, we're grateful for your grace. Lord, knowing that we could not earn salvation, we could not do any good. But Lord, we need to ask ourselves this morning, are we using your grace as an excuse to do stupid things? Or are we using your grace knowing that even if we fail, you still love us. Using that as the impetus 
to go out and try difficult things, to not stay in the safe areas, but to go to the hard areas, to do difficult things, knowing that even if we stumble, you're there to pick us up. Lord, let that be the way that we live. And Lord, as we go throughout this week, we go prepared to face where you will lead us. And wherever we know where you will lead us, Satan will be there to make us stumble. Lord, give us faith. Give us faith to stand. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand and sing.